Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. turn in your Bibles this morning to the first epistle of John, first epistle of John, toward the uh, back end of your Bible there, as we continue our study in this uh, beautiful uh, book, letter, really, that uh, the Apostle John wrote to Christians in the first century, and to all of us, and to Christians throughout the history of, of the church. We've been taking a look at this, uh, at this beautiful book, and uh, we're going to begin reading in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. First epistle of John, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God, Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him, beloved. Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil, and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the tremendous privilege, for the honor, for the blessing of having been saved, having been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, having been adopted into the family of God. Lord, we pray for anyone here today who is unsure about whether or not they're saved. Anyone who is struggling in the life of sin. Anyone who is discouraged, broken, grieving, sick lonely, depressed. We pray for healing in their lives as only you can give. We pray for salvation. We pray that they'll come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. That people will find encouragement and hope and discover your tremendous love and the wonderful privilege and blessing that is ours as your children. And by your grace, teach us today, O Lord, from your holy word and by your Holy Spirit, to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and give thanks. Amen. And so, to love, to love in deed and in truth. First of all, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, 
the Apostle John, and he's the, the aged Apostle John, as he writes and as he teaches. We are the children of God. Now, when you share that with the unbelievers or someone who, who doesn't accept or acknowledge that God is real, they oftentimes laugh at or ridicule the idea that you as an individual or that we as Christians actually know God and that God knows us and that we talk to God and that God speaks to us and that God's word is real and that we can spend time alone with God in prayer. They'll often laugh and they'll say, God speaks to you? And then they think that you're, you know, maybe a little loony. <laughs> but that shouldn't surprise a Christian. That shouldn't be something that, that uh, catches us off guard, as, as he wrote here. You see, God loves us, and we know the verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have an everlasting life. God loves us. And he demonstrated that love by sending the Lord Jesus Christ to die upon that cross. But notice that the unbelieving world does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and that word, to know, to understand, to accept, to acknowledge, to believe in, that is, to agree with God that Jesus Christ is real. We serve a living Savior. Yes, he died. But he died once, the Bible said, and he rose up on the third day. And the world doesn't know him, and because it doesn't know him, because it doesn't accept him, or acknowledge him, or believe in him, or receive and accept him, the unbelieving world doesn't understand or know us either. They think we're strange. They say, oh, he's one of those uh, born-agains, okay? One of those weird, weirdos, you know. One of those people who, who says that they actually talk to God and that God actually talks to him or to her. They actually believe that God can heal people. They even believe that God can raise people up from the dead. They actually believe that there's a, a devil. Many years ago, pastoring a former church, uh, an elderly lady called. She said, Brother Mike, I need you to go and, and visit with my son in the hospital. And he was over at the, the Valley Hospital there on, on Shadow Lane. So I went in, and, and in those days it was easier to get into the hospital, you know. And uh, she was there with a couple of other uh, friends. And so that when I went into the room, and I had never met her son, I, I walked into this room, and he was suspended on this machine. And, and uh, the nurse was in there. And when I looked at him, I thought, oh, there must be some mistake. This must be her brother because he looked so old. 
And so I asked the nurse, I said, well, how is he doing? She said, he's, he's not going to make it. And so we prayed. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And of course, you know, nothing like a mother praying for her child. And together with the other friends who were there, and we prayed. Now, her son Howard recovered. And he lived for about another 10 years, I think. Charles, you know, several years, and he was just the sweetest guy. And he, you know, would come to church. The Lord raised him up. You see, that, that nurse said that there was no hope. As far as the medical community was concerned, the scientific community, there was no hope for him. But they didn't know Jesus, you see. They didn't know the Lord. It was not his time. And that mother who loved her son and prayed for her son, that man was healed. And for 10 more years, he lived. The unbelieving world doesn't know us. The Lord Jesus Christ is our blessed hope. Over in the scripture, Titus 2.23, it says, We await for him our blessed hope. Amen? Because he's coming one day. And the world, the, the unbeliever, does not understand the hope that we have. And we as Christians are to be proclaiming that hope. We are to be proclaiming and sharing the hope that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are not to be walking around in the fear of this particular pandemic. It doesn't mean that we should be irresponsible. That is not what we're saying. But we mentioned before, we're to fear God. Amen? Amen? And no one and nothing else. We fear the Lord. That is, we have an awesome reverence for Him, a holy respect for Him. We acknowledge that He alone is God. And our lives are in His hands. Now notice that He goes on to say in this passage that we're going to see Him as He is. And he's referring to the Lord in his eternal glorified state because Jesus is going to return one day. And whether we're alive on this earth when he raptures the church or whether we pass from this life, we're going to go into the presence of the Lord. The moment that this body ceases to function, oh, my spirit, my soul goes to the one who created it and gave it life. Amen? And the Lord Jesus is in his glorified body, and we are going to be glorified like him. Now, stop for a moment consider what is being said here. We're going to be like him. But here's the other very important point. We're supposed to be like him now. We are supposed to be like him now. We are to be different than the 
believer. We're not to be living a lifestyle of sin, as, as the scripture points out here, but rather a lifestyle of holiness. Notice that? We are to be pure in him, God's nature. So we need to move on to the second point here, because we're called to a lifestyle of holiness. The Bible says, Be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. We're, we're separated. We're to be separated from the world. Now, we live here, yes, but this is not our final home. We are citizens of heaven, and we are to live as heavenly citizens here upon the earth. When people meet us, when we interact with others, they are supposed to notice something different about us. As we said earlier, some think that that's weird, and, you know, that we're strange. Ah, but it shouldn't take long before they notice that there really is something, something wonderful about us. And that wonderful one is the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives in our lives by God the Holy Spirit. There's supposed to be something different, and that difference is the presence of God. Now, it was my privilege, and I've shared with, with most of you, you know that I was a, a, an elementary school principal. And I loved being a principal. I loved being here. I, I would pray for those kids. As a matter of fact, on Friday morning, the school would, would assemble out on, the, on the, uh, the asphalt there in the playground. And we would have the pledge we would sing a patriotic song, and then we would have a time of prayer. And the parents and the kids, and this is a public school, okay? Because it's actually a part of the curriculum in, and, and the regulation. But sadly, see, the unbelieving world, they disregard it. We can't force anyone to do that, but we give everyone the opportunity to do that. But the kids, the kids would come up and they would, they would hug me. And, and you know, every now and then we would have a, an open house and, and these kids would run down the hall and they'd come in and, and hug me. And you know, their parents would look and wonder what's going on. You see, the, the kids didn't realize it, but what were they attracted to? They were attracted to the presence of God. You see, the kindness of God, the love of God. We're called to a life of holiness. He says sin is lawlessness. And what do we see happening all across our country? Lawlessness. Lawlessness. Sin. And sin is, is, is it's cherished. It's applauded. It's encouraged. Yeah, they like to say, well, this, this chocolate is so sinful. You heard it? It's as, it's as sweet as sin. That's supposed to make it attractive. And if you notice, in all the movies these days, they have to at least once in the movie take the Lord's name in vain. 
as though that adds something to the book. No, it doesn't. It detracts. Sin is lawlessness, and, and God's children are not to be involved in a lifestyle of sin. Now notice what he says here. Jesus is without sin. Verse 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Jesus is without sin. Jesus is the perfect and unique Son of God. Now, we're going to spend a little time here on these two different natures. Notice, righteousness is found in Jesus Christ and by grace given to the believer. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in or through him. Amen. God's children have been given God's nature. You say, what? Yes. You see, we, we inherited from our first parents because we are all, all members, you see, of the family of God here. And we've said before, you must know Jesus as your Savior to be in the family of God. God makes a distinction between those who are his and those who are of the devil. But we all belong to the family of the human race. And the family of the human race is disease, and that disease is sin. It is a sin nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve, and every single human being has that sinful nature. Ah, one exception, the Lord Jesus Christ. As you will recall, that he has no earthly father. God by the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, by his divine power, implanted within Mary, the Bible says that that holy one, that holy thing, the, the Son of God, was conceived by God the Holy Spirit. He is without sin. But we have inherited a sinful nature. And every human being that walks upon the face of the earth is a sinner. The Bible teaches that we are guilty of sin, but, as we just mentioned, those who accept Christ as their Savior, those who acknowledge that they're, that, they're, that they're a sinner and they come to the Lord and they acknowledge that He is the Son of God, the one who paid the penalty for our sin and accept Him as Savior, God gives to them by His grace His own nature. God the Holy Spirit comes to live and to indwell the believer and imparts to the believer the nature of the Lord. So we have two natures. We have that old sinful nature that continuously raises its head, doesn't it? And we struggle, but we also have the nature of God living within us. God the Holy Spirit. And Christians need to understand that God lives within you. He lives within us. Now, 
Sinfulness is of the devil. Every single time that we sin, that we choose to sin, whether in word or deed or action, we are agreeing with the devil's program. We don't like to admit that. And when we do sin, when we live a life of sin, we are actually disguising who we really are. Because we are really the children of God, and we have a nature, God's nature, that is not sinful. You understand? God's nature is not sinful. And that's what is being said in this passage. God's nature is holy and pure and righteous and, and loving. The sinful nature is wicked, evil, selfish, self-centered, cruel, unforgiving, hateful, and murderous. And when we give in to that old nature, we are denying or disguising who we really are. Now, the actors when they go out into public, what do they do? They put on a hat, <laughs> big dark glasses. Oh, and they, they probably love it now that they can wear their mask, you know, they can put all kinds. They disguise themselves, do they not? They disguise themselves because they don't want anyone to notice them. They want to be able to, to go out in public without being harassed by people or tons of people asking them for autographs and pictures and those kinds of things. They disguise themselves. And when a Christian chooses to live a lifestyle of sin, what is he or she doing? Disguising who they really are. Now we're all tempted. And you'll recall of this Matthew 16, 23, when Jesus explained to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and to be crucified, to be delivered over to the hands of men. Peter takes him aside, right? He takes him aside and he begins to scold him. Well, we're not going to let that happen to you. And he goes on and on and on. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for you savor not the things of God. Notice that? Sinfulness is of the devil chosen by humans against the will of God. It is not God's will that his children sin. It is not God's will that we do anything that is displeasing to him. People always ask the question, well, what is God's will? You know, how do I discover God's will? God's will is found in his word. And his will is that you not sin. So when you're contemplating doing something that, that you know the Bible says is sin, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. The way of escape. The way of escape. God the Holy Spirit convicts us. And he warns us, that don't do that. Don't say that. Right? I believe you know what I'm talking about here. 
deep down in your heart, in your conscience. The Bible says we have this conscience. And our consciences have been made alive. They've been sensitized to God the Holy Spirit, God's Word. And when he speaks, because he does speak, and he says, don't do them. Don't go there. Don't think them. We're to listen. The Bible says in this passage here, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation that is taken or overtaken you, but such as is common. Amen. Amen. Right? But God is faithful who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it, to endure it, to overcome it, to be victorious through it. You see, we're not to be weak Christians. The Bible nowhere says to be weak Christians. But over in the book of Ephesians, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen? We are to be victorious Christians. Nothing is so disturbing to, that to, to hear Christians talking about how weak they are. Now, we all struggle, do we not? We all struggle. But we are called to be victorious in the Lord. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, and how did he respond? Every time the devil tempted him, Jesus responded, It is written. Amen. We are to respond the same way. That means that we're supposed to be in the Word, and the Word is supposed to be in us. And for that to happen, we have to be in God's Word consistently. Consistently. Moving on. That clock must be slow, because I... I'm <laughs> Amen. Love. Oh, agape. Love. Love is the difference maker. And the Bible teaches us in the same book, right, that we ought to love one another, for love is of God, and God is love. We're to love one another. Notice the examples that that John uses. Cain. It didn't take long, did it? The first family. We're talking about the real first family, not those people living in in the White House. We're talking about the real first family. Adam and Eve and their children. Cain. And Abel. Cain hated his brother. He was jealous of his brother. His brother was blessed by the Lord, and, and Cain should have acknowledged that. Cain should have acknowledged the Lord's blessing upon his brother, and he too would have been blessed. But instead, he was jealous of his brother, and he was angry with his brother, and angry with God. And there are many people who go through life, and they are angry with God. 
Now we've mentioned this before. When, when you spend time alone with God and you're praying, God wants you to be honest. Honest with yourself and honest with Him. Because He knows if you're angry or not. He knows, he knows if you're hurt, you're upset, whatever the case might be, He knows exactly how you feel. And so when you're praying, share exactly how you feel with Him. But in a loving and a respectful way. Cain hated his brother, and he murdered him. And you know, some people think it's okay to talk poorly about other people. But do you know what you're doing when you do that? In a very real sense, you are murdering that person's reputation in the eyes and in the minds and hearts of others. That's not the kind of people that we are supposed to be. Now notice, love gives life. Love gives life. God is a lover, and he is a giver, and he is the giver of life. Wickedness, sin, results in death. Stop for a moment and consider Judas. Judas. You see, Judas was all about the money. He was all about the money. And I heard something this, this past week. I thought, man. These preachers were talking, and one preacher said, I cannot preach a sermon like that in my church. I can't go, you know, preaching about sin and stepping on people's toes. We've got this, you know, huge building. We've got a huge mortgage. And if I start preaching those kinds of sermons, the people aren't going to come. And if they don't come, then the offerings are going to go down. And if the offerings go down, I'm not going to be able, we're not going to be able to make that mortgage payment, and the bank's going to repossess that building. And what kind of testimony will that be for the Lord? You see how they get that all twisted up? <laughs> What about the testimony that, that God's people are to, to differentiate between righteousness and wickedness, holiness and lawlessness? How about preaching the truth that God hates sin and he calls us to be holy? Well, as we continue for our last point here, no greater love. You, you know the passage. Jesus said there's no greater love than this, but that a man, a person, lay down his life for his friends. And this past week, we celebrated Veterans Day. Veterans Day. And we have many veterans here. And we thank you for your service. Amen. Amen. Both men and women. Now this media that we have, <laughs> they're so dishonest, wicked. And remember what we said earlier, wickedness 
deceit and falsehood are all part of the devil's program. So what does that tell you about the media? And what does that tell you about certain factions within our own government? Deceit, dishonesty, falsehood are all sinful and they are all a part of the devil's program. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We're to lay down our lives for one another. But what does that look like? You see, that's different for each one of us, isn't it? Because each one of us, and it's an amazing thing, each one of us is unique. No one else in all the world exactly like us. We're unique. And here, here's something that's so amazing. With all the snow and the snowflakes that fall on the earth, no one snowflake is identical to another. Stop for a moment and really let that sink in. God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge and in all of life, there is no person exactly like you. You are unique. And you're uniquely gifted. So what does it look like? It's a life of sacrifice. A life of sacrifice lived to the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ and to the benefit of other people. I think of Joseph in the Old Testament. How different Joseph was from Cain. Joseph was like Abel, amen? He was righteous. He loved the Lord. And the Lord gifted Joseph. Now, Joseph might have been a little on the um, braggadocious side. He liked to talk about, you know, these dreams that God would give him. And uh, when he told his brothers, you know, I had this dream. <laughs> yeah. And, and in his dream, he basically said, I saw all of you bowing down to me. <laughs> well, you know how that went. You see, instead of them being filled with joy that God had blessed Joseph, like Cain, they became jealous, they became angry, and their anger turned to hatred, and they were going to kill him. They were actually going to kill their brother. But fortunately, one of the brothers had enough sense. He said, no, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. And they sold him into slavery. And he wound up in Egypt. And you know the story. He was a good-looking guy, right? And he, he, you know, he was hired in the house of Potiphar. And one day, Potiphar was gone, and his wife, you know, she had the eye for Joseph. And Joseph loved the Lord. He said, oh, no, no, I, I couldn't do such a wicked thing. To sin against the Lord and to sin against my master. So what does she do? She cries rape. He tried to rape me, and he goes to jail. Now place yourself in that, in that position. He's in jail on false charges. I mean, wasn't it bad enough that his brother sold him into slavery? 
And then he's blessed to, to work in this, in this household, and then he gets accused of attempting to rape a woman, and he gets thrown into jail for that. But oh, don't you love it? The Bible says, but the Lord was with him. And eventually, you know the story, the butler and the baker, etc. And Joseph becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And lo and behold, what happens? The day comes when his brothers need to go to Egypt to buy food. And who is it that they're bowing before? Joseph. Many, many years later. So what does sacrifice Joseph suffered. He suffered emotional pain. He suffered physical pain, anxiety, cold, heat, false charges, violence. He suffered all of these things. And Christians are under the false idea that when, they, when a person comes to know Christ as Savior, that their life is just going to be pleasant. No, to know Christ is to also know suffering. The Apostle Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Because the world does not know him and the world doesn't know us either. And the world hates us. Because the world, that is that, that system that is against God, that rejects God, rejects us. So, in deed and in truth, what does that sacrifice look like? Only you can answer that between you and God. So this last point here. We need an honest, thorough self-examination. When was the last time you took a, a thorough examination? An honest one. So here's some questions for you. How am I living? You need to ask yourself that. How am I living? Am I living a lifestyle that is bringing honor to the Lord Jesus? How am I loving? What kind of love do you have for people? When you, when you see people, do you look at them through the love of the Lord? Are you willing to, to forgive them for all of their sinfulness? For all of their difficulty? You know, some people are real difficult, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. But imagine, the Lord looked down and said, well, now, you know, Michael, down there, he, he's too difficult for us, so we're going to pass on him and go somewhere else. Hmm. And this third question, am I living the Holy Spirit empowered and illuminated life of obedience? You see, God's power is released in our lives through God the Holy Spirit to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you live in your own power, guess what? You're not going to do well. You say, what? You don't know me. You don't know what talents and abilities I have and blah, blah, blah. And well, I know that you're a sinner, just like me, just like everyone else on God's green earth. And that without the aid 
Without the illuminating power of God the Holy Spirit, you will fail in this life. The only one, the only one, the only one who can give us victory is the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the question. Do you know him today? Are you living for him today? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The invitation, softly and tenderly. You say, how can I know that I'm going to go to heaven? How can I know that I'm saved? The Bible says, give your heart to the Lord. Accept him as your Savior. doesn't say you have to be able to quote the whole Bible from cover to cover, but it says you need to know him, Christ. Acknowledging that you're a sinner. Ask him to come in. Maybe you've accepted the Lord as your Savior, but you've never been baptized. You need to come and be baptized. Or maybe you've been attending here and you need to join the church officially. Make it official. We're going to sing this hymn. Let's stand, please. And let's sing. And as we sing, you come and make your decision for the Lord. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.